Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. Being healthy and well is at the forefront of our minds, especially during this COVID era. So I'm delighted to say that for this season, I've teamed up with an Irish company that I really believe in. Taking Revive Active is one of the ways you can support your immune system this winter. The award-winning super supplement contains 26 active ingredients, including vitamin C, D and zinc, all in one handy daily sachet. And to celebrate our partnership, they're offering a 10% discount on all Revive Active products. Simply go to their website, you'll find the link in the show notes, and use the code SHEILA10. This week I had a chat with singer-songwriter Janet Devlin. I had a lightning moment uh, and now I, I get it and it's it's insane like I'm I feel so uh, like lucky to have gotten to that point and I feel obviously very lucky in the sense of like um, I wasn't successful in any of my attempts to take my own life because I never would have been able to see what life is like on the other side of that. I would never have been able to put my hand on my heart and say, I love and care about myself and I deserve good things. I never would have had that. I would have I would have died in the pain of existing. I would have thought living was burdensome. I would have thought that everyone hated me and therefore I deserve to die because I also hated myself. I never would have been able to see what it's like to watch the sunrise and be happy and just be content. And that for me is the biggest factory. Janet is the youngest of four and grew up in Tyrone. And when she was 16, she appeared in reality talent show, The X Factor. But behind her beautiful performances was a teenager who was really struggling. 
Now, before we get into the conversation, please check the show notes for any trigger warnings you might need to be aware of, as it's really important to prepare yourself in advance. This summer, she released her concept album, Confessional, and her fans are growing by the day. She's already clocked up a whopping 700,000 followers over the past few months alone on TikTok. Now, I'm not going to lie, this is a tough lesson at times, but it's also really powerful and uplifting as well. Jana started self-harming when she was only 12. She was bankrupt at 18 and at the age of 20, she was an alcoholic. But now at 25, she's in a good place in her life and she's opening up about her experiences. During our chat, she made me think. She made me think a lot, actually. She made me cry, but she also made me smile. So my advice is to stick with this episode. I really think this is a conversation worth hearing. You've spoken very openly about struggles you've had in the past. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about when you first noticed that you had a tendency towards a negative self-image. Oh, um, I genuinely, when I say this, like I didn't know any different for my whole life. Uh, I don't ever remember thinking highly of myself or like having confidence or anything along those lines. I definitely always just had this voice in my head that was like, you're 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 useless, you're not really worthwhile, like all that kind of stuff. I, from from like a very young age, like I remember punching myself in the stomach when I was about three or four years old. Um because I was basically I I nearly got my cousins in trouble and I got very upset and like I just started beating myself up physically. Um so I've always possessed like a negative view of myself, essentially. Where do you think that came from or did, did it come from anywhere? It didn't come from anywhere. Like, God, I'd love to be able to go, oh, this thing happened and yeah. the consequence thereof, I don't like myself. No, um, it just was always there. And like the problem with that, the problem with it always being there meant that I never questioned that. I never thought to be like, because if that's the brain you've always had and that's the internal monologue that you've always listened to, then you are convinced that that is how other people are living their lives. Um, and yeah. Like, I definitely feel like a lot of people at home, you know, do feel like that. They do have a very negative internal monologue because anytime I would have been... Um, I'd shown any sign of ego as a child like it was you know you'd have a granny or somebody being like don't let anybody know that you're good at that you know don't be bragging or something along yeah. those lines so you're always you know you're always kept your ego's always kept in check as at home but um, unfortunately like if you're keeping the ego in check of somebody who's already really insecure it like it kind of keeps you in the negativity almost I suppose but yeah so it's just always it's always been in my internal wiring. Yeah, and you're, you're really making me think because it is, hopefully, you know, there's a change happening, but it does seem to be part and parcel of, <laughs> of, of an Irish mindset that, yeah, don't you don't want to get too big for your boots, so therefore you never big yourself up or we tend, we tend to struggle with that because for, for fear of being seen that we, we love ourselves, but actually, truthfully, you we should. don't love ourselves. Yeah, we, yeah exactly. <laughs> It's hilarious. We, we need to do. Yeah. It's so funny, but it's I'm absolutely no way blaming anybody that like I grew up with or my family or anything like that because um 
my parents were so nice, were so chill, like they yeah, were, yeah. but they were stereotypical Irish parents, you know, like there wasn't a lot of like physical contact, there wasn't a lot of, uh, I don't know, there was never an overuse of like, well done, there was never that, um, here's a participation rosette uh, for <laughs> no reason, uh, they were they were strict and firm. But in a, in, mm. a, in a good way, and like most parents as well, a bit stoic. Um, but unfortunately, uh, as I was an incredibly needy child who didn't know how to verbalize their their wants and needs, essentially, I never asked for, for more, even though I wanted more. And it's it's a bit of a confusing dynamic that I'm only really getting to understand now this year, I suppose. Um, mm. Which is the funniest part of it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely bred into us. And in some ways it's good, but then if you're carrying that around and you can never ever say that you're worthwhile or you can never say that you deserve good things, it becomes different. There's being there's being humble and then there's hating yourself. And it's yeah. a fine line, a very, very fine line. And it's, it's worth taking some internal time to go, hmm, am I being humble or am I literally not allowing myself to say well done to myself. Yes. And, and you did say that, you know, you had a tendency to being maybe a little bit insecure, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to who are listening. I can. Like I, I was riddled with insecurities myself as a kid. So a lot of us, and particularly when we enter the teenage years, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a confusing, weird time. And there's a lot happening and a lot is... Um, we're, I suppose we're loaded with a lot of uh, of stuff that we have to contend with, all these physical changes and everything that's going on. So for you, you, you had this, you said from such an early age, at the age of three, you had that memory. Um, and then did it grow? Did it get, become a bigger thing then when you hit puberty? Um, even before puberty, I think... Um I, I I never, again, like I never questioned my mindset, but then when I hit 12, I started self-harming. Um, and I feel like that's, like now as an adult and I look back and I think if, if I see a 12-year-old, I'm like, oh, Janet, you were a baby. <laughs> you yeah. were a baby, like slicing into your own skin. That's, it's really sad, but it's just, it was a coping mechanism um, because from that early age, I was uh, still predisposed to uh, dissociative behaviours, um, which is, again, something I'm only learning now through years of therapy that I have, where basically my feelings just disconnect and go away yeah. on holiday because they're too much. I have too many feelings and my brain goes, hey, these are dangerous, like literally dangerous. Let's switch these off and uh, you can just float. But unfortunately, the problem with that is I felt so little then that I was chasing um, a break from the numbness. And that break for me was, even though it's painful and, and you know, in my saner brain and mind now, it's freaks me out and it scares me the fact that I was capable of causing myself bodily harm but you know luckily I'm not living inside that insanity but I can't judge my previous self for doing it because I can't even imagine you know when you're young we forget as adults that everything is the first time it's your first heartbreak it's your first time your friends fall out with you of course the world feels like it's ending because you've no like you've no reference point to compare it to so being 12 years old and not having my feelings and feeling complete, like only having numbness and just thinking that, you know, if I at least cut myself, at least pain is is a feeling, 
and I know I'm a human being because I'll bleed, if you know what I mean. So mm. I totally understand why I did it. It's just sad that um, I had to. But again, like I was mentally ill. Like I, I think that's another thing that people forget, you know, with mental illness, like you're quite far away from seeing rational thought. Um, Hmm. You know, like you, you and seeing rational thought don't coexist together. And it's very easy for people who are living in seeing rational thought to look at you with that mindset and go, that's crazy. And you're like, yes, because I didn't have sanity. <laughs> so you're yeah, not yeah. wrong, but I didn't have that. Um, that Awareness. L- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what did your folks, I mean, how, how did they uh, respond to what was happening or did they know no nobody knew um nobody knew i was and still am to this day like i'm a champion at hide and seek you know what i mean like i yeah, can yeah yeah okay i can hide absolutely anything and everything like i had my drinking problem for years without anybody knowing you know so it's mm. it's not new um but i also i think what people forget as well like i know a lot of people know younger people now who are going that have mental illness or are struggling um like I didn't have the dialogue I didn't have the understanding I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing so it would have actually just been a very infuriating process for my family to try and deal with um because they'd be like why are you doing this and I wouldn't have had an answer um so I know Mm. it sounds weird to say but I'm very glad I got to just go through that myself I suppose, like, because there was nothing anybody could have done to make me stop, you know. Um, and I feel like that's always the hardest thing with anybody in mental, not so much mental illness, but addiction, because self-harm is an addiction. It's like, it has to come from them. I mean, and when I did quit, I didn't know that I was only going to be quitting temporarily because it came back when I was like 18 years old and I started self-harming again for about two years. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. you know, it's like any addiction. It's, yeah. When you did it the first time, how did you feel? Oh, disappointed. Uh, I just remember being like, is this all it is to be human? Is it just to bleed? Wow, that's really not that impressive. But um, I definitely remember um, a hit of endorphins and that's all I needed really was because it was, I felt something. I felt pain yeah. and I felt um, that wave of, because endorphins essentially, like it's, you know, if you eat chocolate, you get endorphins. So what is it? It's like you feel good, even if it's temporary, you feel good. You feel like, like a little bit of warmth for a wee second. And that's what I, what I had with self-harm. You, you know, I think having this conversation and speaking so openly, which you've been doing, I know for a really long time, and, you know, you do these YouTube clips and they're so bloody honest I think you're going to really help a lot of people not just those who maybe have thought the way you did or think the way you did but also maybe maybe family members that are trying to maybe understand what's going on with our sister or brother or whoever it is and and we're worried about them to maybe uh, you know make sense of it a bit more yeah that's that's been um, you know what it's actually the hardest part um <laughs> is like every day I get messages from people but it's always the ones that upset me the most are the brothers are the sisters are the mums um and I've had people look me dead in the eye and go what can I do and yeah. I have to just 
openly say to them, like, there's nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do. Unfortunately, you just have to wait for them to come to that realisation. You can always point somebody in the right direction um, and you can be there for them. Uh, but, like, you know, for love nor money, you can't get somebody on the straight and narrow through love alone. You know, it, it definitely is like somebody has to hit, like, an emotional rock bottom for themselves mm. to kind of wake up. Uh, so that that's the hardest part, you know, that's the, that there is nothing these people can do for them apart from just be there yeah what what would you what would you say you know to somebody who um you know is thinking very dark thoughts and because you were there you went through that you were in a very dark place on 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 a number of occasions where you didn't want to live anymore you didn't want to be here anymore um and yet Thankfully, you woke up, you are here and you're here to tell the tale and not just to share your experience, but hopefully help others who will find themselves in a similar position. Yeah, um, it's it's so hard to explain. Like I said earlier, like um, it depends obviously how far down that rabbit hole of darkness you go, but like you are far away from seeing rational thought. So when somebody says it gets better, you're like... Sure, <laughs> cool story. Um, I definitely felt when I was in my darkest times, I felt very patronised towards. Um, I felt like, you know, it's it's all good and well, like all these little happy posters, you know, the little cat hanging on the... <laughs> I always think of that little cat hanging on the washing line where it's like, hang in there. <laughs> it's like, mm. I get it, I get it, I really do. But it is a case of, you know, I wish I documented almost more of my sheer insanity and my real darkest period so that I could just play that to people um but obviously like I and I I mentioned it in the videos and stuff like I have tried to take my life on numerous occasions and and I think for me the main thing is like I would just love to go back and just be like there's gonna come a day when you're just gonna not be angry at the sun for rising Mm. and it's so and you're gonna forget about the pain in the best way possible and you're gonna be able to get caught up in stupid things and you're not gonna be constantly living in the fear of your own demise and a big thing is also like when you're in that sadness and in that dark place it's it's not comfortable but it's familiar to a lot of people. Um, and you get so used to it that you think that that is the way of living. Whereas that's that's not true. It is just familiar. It's not comfortable. And if you can adapt to living in that level of discomfort, you can push through the boundary of having to work for maybe a year to rewire your thought processes and come out the other side and not live the way that you're li- like you were living because that's what I had to do like I really had to you know the hardest thing the, the biggest thing I work at now is being well because mm. I realized that everything else is a consequence that it all falls in together when I'm well um yeah and how do you do that oh god I have to <laughs> I have to uh stay staying honest with myself uh, I I go to a lot of therapy now 
um, you know, I go once a week and then if I really feel like I need it, I will book in for more. Um, I go to meetings. I talk to people who are on my wavelength, but not in a negative way. I feel like that is a very common mistake. We find, you know, broken people kind of like flock together. Um, But it's finding people who... Yeah, maybe potentially were broken or are broken, but at least they're trying to get better. And I think that that's why, you know, say for an alcoholic, that's why the rooms work, because you're in a room full of people who are on a similar mindset of people that want to get better, that were, you know, living in a darkness. But um, truly it is just that. It's that overused phrase, and I hate it so much, but it's like it gets better. But a lot of the times it gets worse before it gets better. But if you can... You, you've already survived 100% of your worst days at this point anyway. Mm. So it's just getting <laughs> getting honest and reach, like reaching out, but like not necessarily in the way we think. Like you don't have to reach out to anybody you don't want to. Um, go to your doctor. Tell them what's wrong. Get on that waiting list. This is the biggest one I hear from people is, but the waiting list, like, it takes about a year, it takes six months. And I was like, and where are you going to be in a year or six months? Are you going to magically be happy? Or are you just still going to be waiting for help? Mm. Get on the waiting list. Do whatever you can. If you are in the financial position to get help, then do. And that is another thing that I hear a lot. It's like, I don't have the money for therapy. I'll be honest with you, my therapist cost me 60 quid. Uh, I've watched people say that they can't afford therapy, but can afford nights out and can afford takeaways and can afford mm. all of these lovely little luxuries, but they don't think about those. And it's like, if you just didn't go on your night out, you'd be able to go to therapy. Yeah. Um, and I think as well... Reshaping your priorities. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think, um, you know, I'm luckily now in this blessed position where like I have to go to therapy even when I'm well, but I force myself to, um, so that when I'm not well, I've got like topped up on my wellness, you know, that I can, I have have a fallback. Um, but people just, I think I forget because I grew up with a mother who was, um, very much like as soon as somebody turns 16, they need a therapist. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. She definitely firmly believes it. And I love that attitude. She just, she understands that teenagers are going through it, you know. Um, So she used to, you know, if I wanted help, I could get it, you know. Um, That's great. Yeah, I didn't do it. Like, I I did it through the school and things like that, because I think my school knew I was broken. So I I got free therapy in school. Um, But, like, she was always uh, under the guise, like, you know, she helped other people. She paid for other people's therapy. Um, my mum, like, I, she's a saint. I swear to God, she's an absolute saint. And um, she just she just kind of had it home that even though I hadn't asked for it, she just let me know that there's no shame in going to therapy. Yeah. Um, because we have a very broken idea that to go to therapy, you have to be broken. Where it's like, uh, no. Essentially, you just mm. need to look at therapy as a third party in your life that has no uh, bearings as to what you choose to do. Like, um you know yourself, like you can't go and talk to that person because they're going to tell you this because that's where their best interest lies. And life's a game of chess. Whereas, you know, if you talk to a therapist, you're just talking to like an adjudicator who's got no, um, they just want your best interest, literally. 
Uh, and that's why I recommend it. So even just getting an outside perspective on things is, is useful. And also, like, I, as a person, hate taking up people's time. I feel very guilty for taking up people's time. Um, and I, because I, that's just years of feeling like a burden, essentially. But um, I don't feel bad because I'm paying him. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, it's your job to listen to me, dude. Um, hmm. So I'm going to sit here and go talk about my feelings. Um, You've used the word broken a few times. And I'm just curious to think, is that how you view yourself or is it? Is that how you did view yourself once? Oh, yeah. I used to see myself as very broken. Um, I wouldn't see myself as broken now. Um, it's kind of complicated, I suppose, because um, I'm still, I still have mental illness. Uh, that just hasn't washed away uh, <laughs> because yeah. I got sober or because I stopped acting out. Um, because I am aware that um, alcohol, self-harm, anorexia, all these things are a solution to the problem. And the problem is me and my thinking or my brain or whatever. Um, but I don't live under this illusion that I'm a broken person because I'm very, uh, I'm fully functional. I'm out here being an adult, paying my bills, existing, you know, dating, all that kind of stuff. Um, sure. But it's definitely understanding that I'm prone to broken brain, is what I would say. Yeah, like my brain definitely isn't wired like everybody else's. And that's fine. But nobody's, there's like no bog standard brain we got going on here but there's definitely a few a few wires in my head are in the wrong place and I'm okay with that and I just have to be aware that sometimes I can make decisions that aren't the best one because of how my coping mechanisms and my reward systems work in my brain they are busted I'll admit that um, so it's but it's just accepting that it's like just because my brain does that or it doesn't necessarily have the best way of functioning sometimes doesn't mean that I'm a broken person uh, <laughs> you know um, yeah. yeah but look, looking at you today I mean I, I, I saw you on telly when you appeared in X Factor back in the day I think nine years ago now and you know you were on stage and, and you sang and you blew the judges away and you did incredibly well in, in that show um, and I was just a fan an X Factor fan sitting on my couch at home watching it I didn't think that nine years down the line I'd be having this type of <laughs> chat with that girl uh, from the north do you know um, yeah. but thinking and looking at the amount that you have gone through over the past number of years. And obviously, you, you spoke about it there. The issues you had didn't spring up from appearing on reality TV. They might have magnified or things might have accelerated during the time that came with, with you know, becoming famous. But they were there, you know, before that and afterwards. But your body has healed itself incredibly well like you have really put your body through an awful lot this is not me trying to lecture you or say anything negative what I'm trying to get at is your body's ability to heal is phenomenal you know in terms of the drinking in terms of the self-harm and um, and you not wanting to live in this world anymore and look how your body has bounced back do you think your brain can bounce back your mind can can heal from all of the because you know you refer to, to, to brokenness and, and things maybe not working the way it should do you feel there's a possibility there that that one day it will? Um, I, there are some 
long lasting ramifications that I, I will have to carry around. Um, okay. Like I abused benzodiazepines for about seven years and um, which basically <laughs> I've done irreparable damage to my memory and just maybe as the, the quickness to which I can process information um, like that's not going to be fixed apparently like I'm I'm just going to have to come to terms with that and that's alright like it's fine um, but I, I definitely believe in like just even little things like my my way of functioning and, and things have definitely got better and I feel better as far as um it's kind of a hard one to explain. Like the the physical damages are are different, definitely. Like I mm. still carry scars on myself, but I've decided to you know paint the walls a wee bit. I've got a few few too many tattoos on my arm, uh, to hmm. which my mum likes to complain about. But I'm like, oh, what would you rather have, Patricia? Tattoos or like my scars on full show? Um, that's basically me just having an excuse to get more tattoos. Um, <laughs> but uh, that I'll carry around. And that that's, you know, I know a lot of people look at that and it's sad, but like I'm not here to romanticise them either. Like I hate when people are like, um, oh, but your, your scars are beautiful. I'm like, they're not. What about an adolescent cutting into their skin is beautiful to you? It's disgusting. I don't need you to tell me that they're perfect or some weird notion I don't want this calm down like it doesn't have not everything has to be romantic um, but to me it's just a reminder that I had a past that I once couldn't deal with and uh, luckily I don't have to do that anymore you know depending on why we have scars some people have scars from from operations or from you know giving birth or whatever it is mm-hmm. so depending on the, the the reason behind it that the relationship with your scar will be dependent on so many different factors so for you it was a reminder of a really really shit time in your life so mm-hmm. I can I can appreciate that it's not something that you want to be reminded of yeah I think I'm just like on the metal grind about them like I don't look like obviously I have to get changed every single day and I you know half the time I don't notice them you know um, you notice them like maybe if you start dating somebody new and like for me my worst place of self-harm is on my thigh and if somebody puts their hand there like if I've not dated them before like I'm like oh god they're gonna feel the scars um, and then I'm like Janet uh, I'm pretty sure you offloaded all your emotional trauma on the first date they know uh <laughs> not exactly um, a basic case here um, so like it is what it is I suppose like I don't feel shame when I see them I don't feel bad when Good. I see them I don't like I feel like 90% of the time I just feel nothing towards them which I feel is the best place to be um, yeah. as far as carrying that with me um, I think the only thing that and the reason why I suppose uh, I don't really walk around with them out um all the time you know during the summer stuff I definitely wear shorts and stuff but I feel like you know there maybe may come a time in my life where I have to explain them and I feel like that's going to maybe test me a little bit like if I ever had a child which you know at 25 I don't really plan on doing but you know uh, who knows the hormone monster could take over in a few years and we'll see Um, but like Hmm. if a child like I remember being on the tube in London, and this is before I got my basic, basically before I covered my arm in tattoos. Uh, I had a little girl look at my arm and tug on her, tug on her mum, and point, you know, and just be confused. 
at, at the fact that my arms were sliced. And um, that breaks my heart. Like, you know, if, if I have to answer that question, like, mommy, why do you have marks on your arms? You know, um, I'm sure by then uh, I will use my wisdom to come up with a nice, eloquent answer for my child. Uh, but, um, you know, there is that wee sadness and I, I think for me it's it's sad but I feel like it's just I want to ensure and it's it's not even a parent's job like no parent can ensure that their child will never endure that um, mm. and I think that that's the saddest part like I could sit there and give them this beautiful eloquent answer as to why they should never do it and why uh, mommy was a fool uh, but they could at uh, 12 years old turn around and do the same thing and there's nothing I can do about that and it's not my fault you know um, so it's yeah. that's the hard reality I suppose of the scars but as far as um, other physical ramifications like um, I got my liver functions done I got my kidneys checked all that kind of stuff like I think the worst thing is like I most definitely have a patchwork liver it fully functioning one uh, it works fine um, but there's a lot of scar tissue on it um, but like as far as any proper like damage that would cause me any issues, no. Um, so I got a very, very lucky because um, factually speaking, like the worst kind of drinking you can do is the drinking I was doing where it's like maybe don't drink all week and then bang hard for three days hmm. um, because it's like you're, you're actually better being the type of person who would have like a glass of wine every night because your liver gets used to processing that. Whereas this... Um, Binge drinking. Binge drinking, it gives you that scar tissue on your liver and that's where the damage is really getting done. And when did that start? The drinking? Yeah. Um, you know, it's quite like, it's a weird one for me. Like I use alcohol uh, unhealthily before TV sometimes uh, because I was dating a guy who was um, emotionally abusive and it was not a good time. And... Uh, he was upset that I was going to do TV and um, he felt like I and was... by TV you mean X Factor? X Factor, yeah. He thought I was throwing my life away and right. um, nobody was ever going to take me seriously. And, you know, it, the, the abuse got worse, obviously, the further into the relationship we got. But this is even before anything's aired. Uh, he's annoyed at me and, and we used to, like, argue and then go to the off-license and get, like, vodka bottles each and then we'd get drunk and then we'd be best friends. Um, so I, I that was the, the the start of me using alcohol the wrong way, yeah. um, and like our relationship started because we both got drunk, um, but we both had crushes on each other for years. But we were both so shy that like alcohol gave me so much. Like I I got to to meet him and to date him through being drunk. Um, yeah. So, you know, what, what the and that's not uncommon. Come on, like no, from a lot of teenagers, definitely. that's not uncommon either. So, no, it's just like know. that start of like solving problems with booze was not good. Like, yeah. uh, but then you know, I did TV, our relationship got worse. He was still, you know, he was the he was there. Like, I obviously hated myself when I did TV, I think that was very visibly apparent. Um, but uh, I would be sat there with all these negative thoughts rattling around my brain, and then I had a man obviously I loved and trusted because our relationship wasn't always bad but then I've got him in my ear going you're not even that good your voice isn't even that special I don't know why the general public like you so much you're like not even like this is ridiculous so I just had him in my ear and because I loved and trusted him I thought the whole world was playing a big horrible joke on me that I wasn't invited in on 
um and that was you know not good not his fault you know <laughs> not blaming him for any of my issues obviously um but that's just something that you know was going on in my life at the time um no and because you had such a low um opinion of yourself at the time you then attracted somebody that reinforced that viewpoint literally rather than challenging it yeah yeah instead of having somebody that's like no you're great you're amazing blah blah blah. like no I didn't um Mm. like that's just not how it was but then I did TV I saw the good sides of alcohol in the sense of like I went on tour had a blast uh could talk to people could have a laugh you know um but then it was really whenever I moved to Sheffield and at this time like I couldn't like leave my house you know I was just I hadn't turned 18 just yet but I was about to um, I couldn't leave the house because I'd get mobbed and like that is such a <laughs> such a first world problem it's like, I can't go outside because like people want my photo um, but no it was actually like dangerous Yeah, I was kind of clutching at being normal uh, like all my friends were out partying and stuff and then I was over here in a country um, where I knew nobody I had no friends I I didn't relate to people my own age at this point Um and um, I just like I loved my best friends but they were all at home and they were all studying and I was just in this flat on my own and I had no friends and the the fact was I had so much but I had so little at the same time like I was able to go do these gigs with thousands of people and like you know have everybody kind of like chanted your name and that's amazing and all the rest of it but then I'd get home I'd drop my bags on the floor and I'm in this apartment on my own and I yeah. had no interpersonal relationships, and and you were eighteen. You were like still a kid. <laughs> yeah, I was bare, like at that point I was like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, so you know it started off quite innocent in the sense of like, you know, I think main thing I was obviously very lonely and quite sad, um, mm. but still very grateful for the position that I that I had. But um, I would chase normality in the sense of you know on a Friday night after I'd done a whole week in the studio it's like I'm going to have a bottle of wine yeah am I going to dance around in my bedroom in my knickers and sing some songs yeah and that starts off nice and fun and all the rest of it but it quickly becomes habitual Um, you start to drink more you start your tolerance goes up and it started it started infringing on my work life where I'd be turned up to the studio and I'd be like, oh, one sec, guys, just got to go to the bathroom and then go barf because I drank a whole bottle of Jack Daniels on my own that night. Like, um, you know, it, it, it quickly, it took quite a long time. Like, I won't lie, maybe that's like the, the Irish in me. Like, I could put away so much for so long that it took mm. a while for it to really start hurting me. Um, Do people notice? Nah, not for a long time. Uh, okay. My blessing and my curse was the fact that uh, you couldn't see it in my eyes. Um, okay. You know, some people get drunk and they get the glass eye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I never got it. I, I looked fully awake. Comp- like, this, there was like no drunkenness in my eyeballs. Um, so I could, you know, get along with my day and nobody would know I was, I'd even had a drink. Um, it all quickly got even worse though. Like, I. I worked really hard, you know, when I come off the show, I took every opportunity as a blessing in the sense of like, I was like, I can be tomorrow's news. I need to do every single gig. I need to get as much money as I can to put away to make this album because I was making an album myself. And um, Mm. I really, really did. I worked really hard. And, you know, it's easy to work hard when the opportunities are there. I won't take that for granted. Um, uh, Then I woke up at 18 and I was bankrupt um, because I'd signed a, 
a fake record deal and I got all my oh. money taken and it was awful. I'd just gone on tour. The tour cost us like, like 60 grand and like I owed that and I like this label oh, didn't gosh. exist. And But it wasn't just me because obviously it was so easy for me to be like, oh, I was young, I was naive. But like people, like there was American producers who have won Grammys that got caught up in it. Like I don't want to name names, but that and like big producers and other artists. Like this guy is like proper catch me if you can. Like he right, managed okay. to wrangle in so many people. He's wanted by the FBI in 18 different countries. Like he's still wanted. He's still wanted. Yeah. And um, I've, I've quit that search. Like I don't, I don't even need to get revenge, you know, because success is the best form of revenge. You know, I've, I I worked for years till I got to the point where I, I think it was only two years ago where I reached zero, <laughs> where I'd paid off all the debt. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was, it that was like obviously hard at the time because I, you know, I literally just woke up at 18 and I was like, oh, all my money's gone. Jesus. I can't make this album. What What the frick? This is awful. So, like, that was the start of an even darker period in my life because I'd, I'd, I'd trusted people blindly. Like, as you do as a young person, you know, you haven't learned your lesson yeah. yet that you can't trust people. But... um I, so I, I needed that lesson. Everybody in the music industry has a, a teaching moment like that at some point. Everybody gets, you know, screwed over at one point. It's inevitable, right? And mm. I, to this day, I'm so happy it happened to me when I was 18 because the older you get, the harder it is to recover. Like, if that happened to me tomorrow, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like at least at 18, like, I was still young and stupid enough to kind of keep going. Um, and mm. I did. There was so many hard times. Like, I remember I couldn't tell anybody that this fraud had happened, right? And I only ever opened up about it this year. But nobody knew I had lost six figures. Nobody knew I woke up and had no money, you know? Um, yeah. But there was definitely, I remember having this day where I did loads of press and, you know, it all looks good. Like at the time, you know, people sending you free clothes, but that was great because I didn't have the money for clothes. Uh, I was living on £25 a day and, or £25 a week, not £25 a day, I wish. Uh, £25 a week yeah. I was living on. And um, I was in London, did all my interviews. And because I'd used my money to get into central London and like had to eat lunch and stuff, I, my mummy had booked me a flight home. And um, I'd just gone back to one of my manager's house. And it was like, all right, cool. It's like four o'clock. I can go to the airport now. So I go to get on the train. And I put my card in the machine and it's like insufficient funds. And I'm like... I don't even have enough money to get the train to the airport. And I had to walk back and like he had to give me the money for the train. And it was just this living this big lie, essentially, you know, where like on the outside, I looked like I was doing really good. Like I just put a record out. Um, and Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I was doing all this press and it was good press and stuff, but I'm just sat there like, I have no money. I remember not eating dinner a lot. I remember... Um, at the time I smoked, now that sounds hilarious because like you don't have money, but it was like, oh, well, if I smoke, though, I don't need as much food. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would smoke instead of eating. Um, but I know this sounds really weird and it was awful at the time. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that pushed me further and further into a breakdown. But um, the fact of the matter is, like, I if that doesn't happen to me, I would have lived my whole life thinking um, the only reason people... Like I've, I like I've given, I've been given my whole career, but because I did TV, I got given everything on a gold plate, and I've not had to work a day in my life, and I'm an imposter, and I'm a fraud, and no, like at least I know, in my head, I had to work really fucking hard for years, yeah. for absolutely years. One to be taken at all seriously in the industry, and two to get out of the debt that somebody had caused me, and you know it it. I, I feel like at this point now I'm like I've done enough toilet tours I've I've existed on so little that like I'm allowed to say that I've earned my place in the industry Jesus you're 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 one bloody strong woman I tell you I, I had no idea actually I, I about that I had no idea that at 18 that had happened to you on top of everything else you'd, you'd been through um, do you think it's unfair that people have this they kind of poo-poo, uh, you know, the stars that come from reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. And obviously we know that some of them are absolutely massive, not necessarily those who win, but like, you know, One Direction being probably the biggest example of it. Like they came second and they became a, a global phenomenon. Mm. But is it unfair? Because you still have to work back and hard. Uh, it's kind of different now. Like I think virality, like um, say like videos going viral and all that kind of stuff is the new TV and yeah. I feel like people look at those people and go, oh, your video went viral. And it's like, yeah, but they still have to maintain that. <laughs> they still have to, like, maintain that level of output and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like, it's so it's so hard because I feel like, you know, you've got to use nuance when it comes to um, TV talent shows. Um, like, some people mm. do go on those shows just to be famous. Um, some people go on those shows to get a platform. It's all very different. Um, and obviously, like, different types of shows breed different types of people and things. Um, but I, uh, I I was a teenage music purist. Um, <laughs> so I get where people are coming from when they're like, oh, my God. Like, I was so much of a purist that even on X Factor, when I was given a... Uh, Nirvana song to sing because like Courtney Love had given me the rights she was like no I want you to sing a Nirvana song I, I said no 
because I was like, no, Kurt will be rolling in his grave. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> Actually, I really want to. I'm glad you brought this up because that's, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because I remember hearing this at the time, mm-hmm. um, the whole Courtney Love thing and the link between Kurt with the whole Devlin thing. So yeah. can we can we go there? Yeah, I mean, you know as much as I do at this point, Nick. Uh, <laughs> okay. Basically, uh, now this is what I've been told. Devlin married into Cobain and Cobain changed their surname from A. A-N-E to A-I-N when they got to America and that's how that happened. Now, I haven't a clue. And she He's basically has... your co- he was your cousin. Aye, so apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I don't even want to know. I Like, I, even during X Factor, I had a Nirvana poster up in my bedroom. Like, I was a massive fan and, like, you know, I, I like, if I look it up and I find out we're not, very sad. Um, so I'm just like, I'll let that be. <laughs> I'll yeah, let yeah, that yeah. just kind of exist and do its own thing. Um, but yeah, that was the thing that happened. Um, but that's, it was just funny because I was such a, such so a hipster. Be- <laughs> I was such a hipster and I was like on the most uncool TV show ever and I was still like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it was a funny dynamic, but. Uh, but what was yeah. it to do with your own feelings of unworthiness at the time that, you know, because you idolized Nirvana. Yeah. That, oh, okay. Yeah, I can't like do this on justice. I, was, yeah. it, was the program playing in your mind? That and also like, I already got so much hate. <laughs> I was like, I don't want the Nirvana. Like, the Nirvana fans are very aggressive. Like, no offense. Like, I was one. You know what I mean? I still, okay. I still am one. But like, teenage Nirvana fans are very loud and proud. And like, I didn't want to like do a song and then have to wake up and just read the bullcrap of like, oh my god, she butchered Nirvana. And like, I get it. I know I did. Okay, I know I sucked. And I know I ruined your favorite song. Cool story, bro. Join the line. Everyone hates me. Cool. Uh, like my problem was I think more so during X Factor was I agreed with all the haters and I was like we'd be good friends though you know I know you hate me but like we'd, be, we'd get on because I hate me too <laughs> which was is it so sa- was it safer for you to kind of come back at them with this kind of agreeance or this I'm not going to argue with you because actually and also sometimes being self-deprecating and put getting your putting yourself down first before anyone else does gives you a certain level of of power control not even power but just a little bit of control over a crap situation yeah I I honestly just never really responded to it Um, just because I was like it's the same annoyance of like um, you know when you give someone a compliment and then they are like oh well no it's actually very annoying Um, and I learned that myself because I was that person <laughs> I was like oh my god no like this blah 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 and it's like just shut up and take the compliment Janet it's the same yeah. with hate it was like shut up and just take the hate don't say anything just accept it you know because um, <laughs> like you're not going to win either eh? uh, you know um, so I, I, I agreed with them and but also I've turned it into like my biggest blessing um, because I did hate myself so much and because all of that you know when somebody gives me a hate comment now I'm like that's, that's a wild weekend salt you got there mate like I, nothing you say is as bad as what I've ever said to myself in my head so c- mm. congrats that insult, insult was just awful like you know I could give you a, a 10 page spread on my deep rooted insecurities and you've hit none of them so cool <laughs> so I'm thinking about you at 18 on your own mm-hmm. going through the shitstorm that it was being bankrupt um, and having to deal with that and you know your your, your mom booking the flight home and getting home mm. 
I don't think anyone would have been surprised if they heard what you'd been through. If you just decided to say, "Okay, I am done. I'm (laughs) done with this. I'm just going to I'm just going to come home, chill out here for a while. And then I'm going to reshape what I do and go from there. But you didn't. You didn't give in. I didn't. And it's do you know what? It was actually a very unhealthy obsession that I had for some like. Uh, this is why I say I'm so glad it happened to me then and not now. Like, I was so mentally ill that I thought, like, if I don't do music, I have to die. Um, which is terrifying. Like, I carried that with me for so many years. Like, uh, I just, if I wasn't doing music, then my life is pointless and I shouldn't live. Um, and then I, like, when I went to rehab and I realized that that was this mindset I was living under, I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you can do music. You don't yeah. have to die for it, dude. Like, if you wanted to quit tomorrow and you wanted to go work in Tesco's, go fuck, go work in Tesco's. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, if I felt passionate about making coffee and I wanted to be a barista, you're sure as hell right I'd go and be a barista. Like, I don't, I don't care what other people's opinions are. So I was like, Jana, it's mm. okay. You, you don't have to die for this. And from that moment, I've had much more of a healthy. Um, approach to myself in the music industry and it's been much easier but luckily oddly enough at the time I had that mentality of like I have to do this um so basically I worked like a like a dog for for years just like also because like the people I was working with at the time now the people know like my management is still the same um they inherited me when I had nothing like I'd just been scammed they'd been dragged into that scam and we worked really hard together to get out of yeah. it. And, you know, now we're in this lovely, blessed place where we can just make music. And I'm every day grateful for that. And um, it's, I don't take it for granted, I suppose, now. But, like, definitely yeah. I wouldn't have been able to survive that because I'm mentally well. <laughs> I'd have been like, you should probably not. <laughs> It's like, oh, you you know, you're very mentally broken. You should probably, like, take a gap year. Uh, do something that's not music. No, I was so gung-ho and so dedicated, but in an ill way, uh, that I that I lasted it out and then I stuck it out. And, you know, I still work really hard now. Um, I still fully immerse myself in my job. But, you know, I'm very... Um, I'm, I've got a healthy relationship. Like, I know that I can walk away, but I don't want to because... I tried quitting once and I lasted three days and I and listen, by day two I had already planned out who I was going to make another record with and who I was <laughs> going to work with and what like I was like I'm going to move home and sure such and such plays guitar and we could start a band and I'm like okay but I kind of needed to quit in those three days for me to go nah yeah. dude like music is actually your your true love and it is the thing that gets you out of bed and um, it sounds really sad but it is like my my thing like it's it doesn't I'm... sound sad at all it's uh, <laughs> it's yeah it's fundamental to to who you are yeah it's because I'm really bad sometimes at communicating my feelings as well like I don't have that same level of struggle when it comes to music like I can sit in a room and write a song and then by like just almost like blackout it's really weird I black out and then I'm kind of like oh <gasps> we've been really sad and we didn't realise it because <laughs> um, we've just mm. written down all of the emotions that we didn't process but this is what's been going on lately you know um and has has this been a helpful process uh you know the writing not just the music but the accompanying book the project that is you know your confessional uh it was very hard um 
the book definitely like the album was so fun because it was just this big concept and I could write a million layers of metaphors and as, as somebody that just loves writing like even if it's not music like I just like writing words you know um, it was such a fun experience um, but when I actually had to sit down and really look at what I'd done in my life and um, the bad things that I'd done and then I think it was even I think it was harder in some ways to write down the things that other people had done to me you know like the sexual assault or like the fraud or whatever was very hard because um, I like to blame myself for everything <laughs> and I, I hate that somebody else can come into my life and, and take credit for my bad brain um, <laughs> like how dare you um, mm. so that was actually quite difficult and uh, obviously the, the, the book's like not all bad like there are happy stuff that happens as well and it's 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 kind of like an anti-self-help book it's like um you get to see all the horrible situations I put myself in um but again it's been helpful for like parents and friends of people with mental illness because they can see because I'm able to know that I'm out the other side I can write down my justifications as to why I did things and what my rationale was and my you know not so clear thought processes like or not healthy thought processes basically um but it, it, for me the biggest thing was um like I do pride myself in honesty and I was in my personal life living a very honest life and I obviously understand that nobody deserves like not nobody deserves like nobody has I don't have to be vulnerable for anyone you know mm. like no one needs that like I owe nobody that you know but for me I feel happiest when I'm honest um, because lies are a lot of work (laughs) and I don't have the memory for it thanks to the benzos so for me the only way I can live my life is just through honesty and you know from doing TV at 16 like I am used to people knowing about my life you know, yeah. I'm used to telling people what's going on in my life. Like that exposure to honesty on a on a public level is is my normal. Uh, it's normal yeah. everyday life for me. Um, so the hardest part was living in the lies, or like not so much lies, but like living not telling my truth. Um, yeah. So and this, the secrecy of it, because you did yeah. say before, like that you were you were really good at keeping things secret. Mm-hmm. So when I when I started getting well, you know, when I was 20, um, I really just wanted to tell my story from the rooftops in the sense of like, yeah. oh my God, I c- it can get better. Obviously I didn't because I knew as well, like I had to really put the work in to, to really get better and to really understand myself and to get to a point where I knew it was safe to be open um, mm. because now like if somebody comes for me in my YouTube comments where they're like you were never really an alcoholic I'm like I am so glad you see the well version of me so clearly that you can't imagine me being unwell and that's a weird compliment <laughs> um, yeah. but like I it's very hard to be on that thought process if you're if you're living in illness or if you're not well enough or you're not like it's not recovered enough but you know you don't have enough distance from the past or the the time you were living in so um for me this year since talking about my story has honestly been um my best year um for, for just being myself and and not having to to think about something before I post it or, uh, you know, making videos which, you know, say like the tech talks where I can openly talk about my mental illness and joke about it um, because like that's my coping mechanism and I find those kind of jokes funny. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can tell. I was actually going to bring it up, but it's it's so obvious that, 
you know, humor is is um, you know is is useful, and I I get it. I'm very much I'm very I'm very similar. I think a lot of us are probably very Irish thing as well. You know, dealing with really dark topics with humor. I feel like it's the first thing I learned when I got sober was I I went to my first meeting and these girls were like laughing at something that I was living in and obviously when you're living in it it's so dark it's so real it's so raw and they're just like laughing at theirs and you're like I want that (laughs) I want to be able to do that and uh, obviously for a very long time you can't make those jokes publicly because like if I was to crack like a like an alcoholic joke in front of my mum two days after I got sober she'd be like here you put me through hell and back don't you feckin' dare laugh about that in my face (laughs) you know it's like it it gives me a safe space to laugh about that kind of stuff and now that you know I'm far enough away from that I feel like I have the right to and obviously there are times where people uh, come at me and they say like how dare you you know joke about this and joke about that it's very real it's very this and I'm like I know because I lived it and there's Mm. also a lot of people in my shoes now where for years we've been eating ourselves up at the severity of the situations we put ourselves in like give us a break you know Um, we're allowed to laugh at it it's my pain it's my trauma I can laugh in the face of it you know Um, yes it's but I also understand that you know from those comments I respect uh, when somebody is in it and when they are suffering through something that I'm joking about that it is painful it's not nice doing somebody else just laugh about it Um, Mm. But I, I can't make them see my side of the fence because they're, you know, maybe in the darker side, you know, and like, I just, mm. I just can't take it personally, you know. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of taking it personally, now when you read, if you get negative comments, and unfortunately <laughs> when you're in the public eye, there's always going to be good commentary and not so good commentary. But before you may have embraced the negativity and kind of said, well, yeah, no, I feel this about myself <laughs> anyway. So, you know, you're not saying anything new. How do you feel about it now? What happens if you get a shitty comment? So it all very much depends. So I do get lots of shitty comments. Um, It's just inevitability. Like it's that is something you sign up for. Uh, I do love people when they're like, I want to do it, but like I couldn't handle the hate. I'm like, good, then don't do it because it's it's inevitable. Um, But I think... Uh, there. So, like, at the weekend, I was very hormonal and I took everything to heart. And, you know, I just was in that space, like, nobody could really talk to me, right? And that's, that's mm. fine. I'm all right with that. And, like, this is the mood we're in. This is our current state. Um, I tried getting some work done, so I sat down. I was ready to answer some comments because I just dropped the EP on, like, the Friday. So I wanted to, like, tell people thank you. And then, obviously you know with the love you get the hate and I was reading a few things and I was re- I was like <gasps> like ready to type out these responses and I was like hold on a second <laughs> Janet are you taking this to heart yes uh, please close your computer and step away from the vehicle ma'am uh, because yeah. I, you know once my guard's down it's really like a case of um, if I'm emotionally vulnerable you know, I'll I'll take in the good and I'll take in the bad. I I don't get that choice of filtration. Um, mm. So for me, the safest thing to do is just to log out that day. Um, and those days are very rare, but uh, I'm at that point now where I can see it and I can step away. Um, most days, like anything, it's like compliments I don't really take and I don't take hit. And I feel mm. like that's just where I have, I kind of live in that existence of like, because I believe in myself and because I, I 
do love myself now. Like, I don't seek external validation. Um, like, I obviously appreciate a compliment as much as the next person, but I don't really feel like it penetrates the surface. Like, I don't really take it to heart, but I don't need to because I believe in myself. But it means then I don't take in the hate. So this middle ground um, is the safest place for me to be in um, because I can look at hate and normally laugh at it um, <laughs> and sometimes monetize off it if I do a YouTube video about it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, monetize off the hatred. But uh, it's it's the best place for me to be. So I have learned to be my biggest cheerleader so that I, I don't take any any of the bad things to heart and but I don't also take the good things to heart because also I do have a fe- I'm Irish like I will have a fear of being an egotist so I do try and stay away from both <laughs> I know you can't see me now but I'm actually listening to you here with the, a huge smile on my face because I, I just absolutely love and I mean love what you've just said because it's something that I have been talking about for years um, and I think when you get to that place and wherever and whenever that is for any of us that we can comfortably get to that place it's not always easy but when we can't be you know knocked off balance by a shit comment or elevated by the compliment we know we're doing something right (laughs) because oftentimes yeah we can feel this glow of warmth of I'm loved I'm, I'm wanted I'm liked and you know a lot of it we're looking for this validation online or whatever it is and it, 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 it means nothing because you have to feel it from inside. Same goes for the negativity. And if you can take both the compliment and the insult with the same level of reverence, which is none at all, really, um, you've got it. You're there. So I'm just smiling listening to you because I've, <laughs> we've been talking now for whatever, the guts of an hour. And I've, I've heard so much. And I know you probably only scratched the surface with me and, and those listening to this chat. But you've been through so bloody much. But look where you're at now. <laughs> to say that, it's just like, wow, you're in a you're in a really good place. Yeah, it's it's taken a very long time. And for me, what's funny, and I suppose what everybody's journey is different, like, you know, um, to have, you know, got sober at 20, some people might imagine that, like, I developed self-love a year later or even two years later. And it wasn't even the case. Like, at the start of... January 2019 when I went to rehab finally after like a wee mini relapse but it was just it was what that symbolized for me like I went and finally got better and um in that like I couldn't even say I'm worthwhile I couldn't say I'm worth it I couldn't say I loved myself and I was like oh my god like these words can't even leave my mouth and here I am now that was January 2019 and here I am just being able to go like I love myself I'm worthwhile like I think these yeah. are these are obvious and fundamentals, but like it took like a, a good solid year of of that to get better. But like this is what I'm saying. I had an accelerated like year and a half of just like I finally got the message. I finally it's the yeah. penny dropped, you know, mm. in a good way. But it took you know, you'd think that that would happen earlier or sooner, but like that's just proof of everybody's so different. Like I had a lightning moment. Uh, and now I, I get it and it's it's insane like I'm I feel so uh, like lucky to have gotten to that point and I feel obviously very lucky in the sense of like um, I 
wasn't successful in any of my attempts to take my own life because I never would have been able to see what life is like on the other side of that. I would never have been able to put my hand on my heart and say, I love and care about myself and I deserve good things. I never would have had that. I would have I would have died in the pain of existing. I would have thought living was burdensome. I would have thought that everyone hated me and therefore I deserve to die because I also hated myself. I never would have been able to see what it's like to watch the sunrise and be happy and just be content. And that for me is the biggest victory. And it is proof of like sticking it out because I stuck it out for five years and I felt, I still didn't feel like I was worthwhile, but then just magically over like eight months, nine months, a year, the penny dropped. And now I'm able to just sit here and be like, wow, I can, I can be okay. (laughs) And that life is really, really good, even when it sucks. Um, Because life is never easy, but we'll, the human condition of always putting too much on our plate or whatever. Like, at least I know that I've, I've chosen that, you know? Um, Mm. And it's just, it's just a simple gratitude for existing. And I'm just glad that I didn't um, die in that pain. I'm glad that I got to see that life is actually worthwhile (laughs) and that people aren't bullshitting and they mean it when they say it. And it's not just lies that they tell themselves, you know, um, and that, that, like, I hopefully will live a very long and boring yeah. life and I'll never have to write a book like my confessional, like that all my darkness is in those pages and I can now move on and live a, a dull life, essentially. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. God, that's so powerful. And um, I'm so glad. And I think anyone listening to this will be so bloody glad that uh, that you're here. And you're able to to share your insights. And as you said, those dark times for them to be behind you. Not that we never know what life is going to throw at us and challenge can come in different forms. But my goodness, you, you have uh, you have you've tested yourself. And I'm <laughs> yes. sure you learned a lot about <laughs> the person you are and how worthy you are um, of your place in the world and what a talent you are. And, you, and you're able to, to share that with us um, because there will be people listening who are are in it who are really yeah that's a big thing as well like getting me getting better is all great and all well whatever but like it's so easy to forget that people are still in it people do they are in that pain that i was living in and it's it's one of those cases where I, i wish i could just grab them by the shoulders and be like oh my god it gets better please just hang in there um it is it breaks my heart it really really does and like I said like when I think back to my own experience there's nothing anybody can say that's going to make you believe that but at least stick around to to get to the point where you can look back and be like Jesus Christ took I took things well seriously didn't I (laughs) and I put myself through hell or you know some people are like I I was lucky in the sense of I put myself through hell like for whatever reason you know my lack of self-confidence and all that kind of stuff but some people get dealt a very unlucky hand and it is okay to not be okay with the fact that the the universe was not kind to you um, but as somebody who does have a, a slight belief in God, like I, I do believe that, you know, the good Lord never gives us more than what we can handle. Yeah. And, you know, even when you do feel like life is throwing <laughs> a lot at you, that you can deal with it. And there's always a lesson in it somewhere. And, you know, it's it's perseverance is key. You know, sometimes you just got to get up, 
do the things you have to do and as long as you get into bed <sighs> even if it means for me when I got sober like I would be in bed sometimes at seven o'clock at night and it's like why were you in bed at seven o'clock at night and it's like this is the only way I can guarantee that I won't put a drug or a drop in me <laughs> like I'm going to bed so I'm safe um, yeah. like sometimes it is just that but you know I, I feel for people who have have been dealt the unlucky cards because you know I shuffled my own deck and I made my cards bad because I did that um, I can't even imagine the struggle of people you know who, who've just been who've been given it you know and um, it's yeah. but it's the same it's the same outcome it's the same perseverance it's the same just keeping on yeah did your did your your faith your belief in god give you give you strength or give you comfort in times when when no. you felt like you needed no <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. i didn't believe in god when i was going through my pain um i really really didn't and um sometimes i do question god's belief like i understand why i as an addict i have to have a god because um if i don't have a god then i think i am god and i'm the center of my own universe um and that's why i need a god because i need to be held accountable for my actions um you know over time it, it doesn't necessarily feel like that god i was raised with or anything like that i definitely just believe in it I think it sounds really cheesy, but I believe in the fact that we're all connected somehow, be it yeah. even if it's just on this earthly plane, there is still something that connects us all. And for me, the biggest importance, it sounds so cheesy, but it's love. Like when when we give love, be it received or not, that is the purest way and the best way we can live our lives. And, um, you know, so I believe in something with a capital S. Uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, if that belief, yeah. if that belief in something <laughs> keeps me on the straight and narrow, I will take it. Also, I used to have um, sleep paralysis where I like literally could see demons and stuff, and it was really dark yeah. and it was really scary, and I thought I was going to get murdered. Um, I this is how I learned I had a faith. It was um, I thought I was going to die because I'd never had sleep paralysis before, and it's obviously really scary and it's very real, and you feel like you are actually going to die, and. Um, I noticed that, like, the first thing I did was, you know, say my Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and yeah. you know, screaming for that, like, repentance of what, of, or whatever, like, and I was like, oh, see? Ah, joke's on you. You do believe in God. So I was like, okay, <sighs> that's fine. I, I'll take that on board. And since then, you know, since being out of the, the, the darks of despair or whatever, like, I can appreciate that I do have a faith. But, um... Mm. Faith definitely wasn't getting me through the dark times, unfortunately. I think you need to have faith in yourself, um, which is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, That's just so annoying about this whole thing is like you finally have to reach that breaking point where you're like, I've existed in so much pain and suffering and think of all the energy I'm putting into my pain and suffering. Like, What if I just for once in my life, for the first time ever, just took some, even a quarter, 0.01% of that energy and put it into loving myself? What mm. happens? And it's like, I've never done that before. So therefore it's scary. So therefore it's unknown. So therefore I don't want to. But if you do, because that was me on my first day of getting sober was like, right, just even even a minuscule amount of energy put into not hating ourselves and working on loving ourselves. Like, can we do that? Um, and at that point, I was so broken and I was so tired. I was like, sure, what's there to lose? Because you do get to that point where you're like, 
what what is there to lose nothing right fine I love myself yeah. what's the worst thing that could happen <laughs> the worst thing that happens was I got better <laughs> mm. and it's like oh funny that but it's that fear mm. of the unknown it's the fear of the unknown like if you've gone your whole life like somebody like myself like when I say I was born with that that wrongly wired brain and I always thought that self-hatred was the norm and that's just how my programming was like it does take years of deprogramming it takes a long time to really sit there and question every thought you have and why you have that thought and is that a healthy thought and is that coming from a dark negative place and yeah it is very self-indulgent and yes it is very boring and yes it's very tiresome but I'd spent so long accidentally and inadvertently being self-absorbed, tiresome and burdensome through self-hatred because like, you know, what we don't understand is the way we treat ourselves, whether we want to realize it or not, is how we treat other people. So if we are tearing ourselves apart, if we're breaking ourselves down, even if we are an addict or an alcoholic or in these forms of self-harm through people-pleasing, we are still inadvertently hurting the people we love and we care about because we can't look after ourselves. Um, So the least selfish, most selfish thing you can do when you're broken is actually finally pulling up your socks and getting better. Yes. Because eventually then people don't have to worry about you and mm. you can actually look after yourself and <laughs> it just is like it's so silly, but it's so true. Like it, unless you really do start looking after yourself, like you are hurting those around you. You know, we forget that because we're like, How dare you take on my pain? This is my pain, my suffering, you selfish person, like it's mine. And it's like, mm. well, they love you and that for me was my biggest annoyance like I tried pushing my friends my family my team everybody away from me because I didn't love myself so how fairy dare they love me how yeah. like go away get out of my life can't you just leave me alone to self-destruct like what is the big deal and I just couldn't understand that because I couldn't love myself that other people could um but then through you know having to do that really boring self-work and self-care and all that stuff that sounds so cheesy and so fake and so false but when we it actually do it it doesn't sound cheap I don't think it does well oh, see, when it I was in it when I was in it, it when I was sick and it when did I was to you? Oh, yeah okay. when I was when yeah. I was ill and people be like oh my god just practice some self-care you're like shut up <laughs> oh my god okay. <laughs> it was like awful it was like stop it stop patronizing me but like patronize yourself for five minutes you know (laughs) just like buy into it and just treat like i have to treat myself like a wayne sometimes like i have to treat myself like a child um because like whether or not like when i went to rehab and people were like they're treating us like children i'm like yeah because what have we been acting like children like we're we're crying out for a substance dude like you are a child except yeah you can tell somebody broke me in rehab when I had to give them that chat but um (laughs) it finally made sense to them it's like yeah for the first time in your life just do what you're told just do it Mm, like where's the harm in it so that's kind of what I did in in, in AA and all that kind of stuff I just did what I was suggested to do I followed in the footsteps of people and I patronized myself enough into looking after myself basically well all the things you did clearly have worked because they're where you're at right now and you're <laughs> absolutely ref- it's refreshing to listen to you and 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 I've just taken so much from hearing your views on things and I, I, I think it's going to be really helpful to people depending on where they're at what their own circumstance is whoever is is kind of drawn to listen to this conversation I hope mm. they'll take um, some really important lessons from it and if you're really in it right now to know that you may not believe it or feel it or know it right now but there is always light and you're an example of it 
Yeah, but also I just have to feel like I give a disclaimer at the end of every conversation like this. I still have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> look, we're not, not as good. <laughs> I always find that so funny. Like when people look to me for advice, I'm like, um... I'm sorry. Uh, have you forgotten that I am mentally ill? Um, don't don't seek advice from me. But all I can well, do. I would not call you mentally ill. You may uh, have mental, mental illness, <laughs> challenges, but that doesn't mean you're ill. That's oh no, my, for that's sure. My take on it. Yeah, that's my take. Um, but I always feel like it's a necessary necessary point to just be like, sure. all I can do because I I can't help people, but all I can do is like show people what I've went through, what I've been through, and then just go like. I'm still kicking. <laughs> I'm yeah, still but you going. Are, but you, see, the thing is, but you are helping people just by being you, just by being real, just by being honest, just by telling it as it is. Yeah. That's hugely helpful because that empowers somebody else to do the same because being so open and honest doesn't come easy to everybody. Being that vulnerable is is sometimes the most alien place to be. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I can't so, sit and claim either that I'm like perfect because I'm so good, right? At like talking about my vulnerabilities publicly on a public platform, all that kind of stuff. But like, say for example, I'm dating somebody. Yeah. Oh my God, ask for help. I shall never. I will not ask for help. What do you mean express <laughs> my vulnerabilities? No, I am fine. I do not need you. And it's like, uh, so like I still have work today. I'm very aware of that. And like, I'll continue to work on those kinds of things. But like, that is a very far cry. Yeah. From, from my past, but it's it, like, I'm in no way uh, a living, um, I don't know, like image of what people maybe should always look up to or something like that. All I can say is like honesty breeds honesty and I hope yeah, that by me talking about my bullcrap that somebody else can open up about theirs because it's not that bad. Like it's not, it's scary. Like we make it out to be much worse than what it is. Um, and I get that for a lot of people they've been holding on to their secrets for their whole life and there's stuff that they've done or stuff that they've felt that they've never been able to share. Um, but I can assure them even though I'm young or whatever, like I understand that like nobody has to listen to me. Like I'm not saying that they should, but I'm saying that when it's out there and when you've told anybody, at least one person, it feels a million times better. You're not yeah. owned by it. You don't live with that weight on your chest anymore. Um, so I can highly just recommend, you know, for me, I always say it, like I recommend therapy. Get yourself that third party in your life that you can just open up with and tell them the things that are actually going on. For people listening who, uh, you know, are a fan of yours or people who are maybe hearing about you for the first time or maybe people who followed you when you're on X Factor, where, because I know you mentioned TikTok as well. You're huge on TikTok. <laughs> um, but where, where would the best p- place be for people to go to find you, your music, what you're all about? Um, so it's it's definitely it's definitely weird. Now I exist kind of on on two sides of the internet. I I post uh, videos about myself and my life and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I do that, but I also do music. You know, I like that is obviously the thing that gets me out of bed. But um, basically, if social media exists, I'm on it. Um, but like my main ones are like the YouTube channel, so I post on there pretty regularly, usually about two videos a week. Um. I do have a TikTok, which is the, my most followed social media. Um, How many followers do you have on it? Like 700,000. What? I know, and all I do is chat nonsense. I don't know. So come here now, Janet, when, when this conversation goes live, 
doing all TikTok and, uh, and tell them to listen. <laughs> so there's TikTok, there's Instagram, there's Twitter, there's YouTube, there's my own website. There's, you know, if you're into the music side of things, which is, you know, if you're into it, that's awesome. Um, but like it exists on all platforms that put the music out. So, you know, you got your Spotify, your Apple Music, your iTunes, everything. I still make physical music, surprising. Um, so I still, yeah, so I have like a wee store on my website and all that kind of stuff. So, Janet, thank you so much. This uh, this conversation has been uh, so much, to be honest. I have, um, you've made me smile. You've made me cry. You've made me think. You've made me feel uh, incredibly grateful um, to you and f- for my own life. Um, and I think that's the message really is, is to just find gratitude wherever you can find it. And and again, you know, I know there's a fear sometimes I can sound cheesy, but I just think it's truthful. I think even in times of real difficulty, there's always something to be grateful for, even if it's something tiny like, you know, the socks I'm wearing today. But there's always something. Mm. And if you can zone in on that more and more, hopefully that might be just the thing, the anchor that keeps you hooked in to get you over uh, a difficult time and maybe not you know and uh, Honestly, there are times no, sometimes it is the dumb stuff that keeps you well like whenever yeah. I wanted to drink again during lockdown I was saying to my therapist I was like the only thing that's keeping me away from a drink is the fact I've got new carpet mark <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'd ruin it if I had a drink there'd be red wine everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it is the silly stuff the small <laughs> things that you know can help like yeah. obviously there, I had loads to be grateful for I just put a an album and just put out a book but for me it was the feckin' carpet I was like I don't want to ruin it <laughs> hey and if that is the thing that works <laughs> exactly exactly zone in on that carpet why not ah <laughs> uh, you're a breath of fresh air thank you so much I look forward to us meeting in person someday oh my god absolutely as you can tell I was incredibly impressed by Janet and for more on her go to her website janetdevlin.com And if you or someone you know is struggling right now, please know that there is help available. Reach out to the likes of Pieta House or the Samaritans. Their details are in the show notes. And as a gesture of gratitude to Janet, I've made a small donation to Pieta House. Please do let me know what you think of this conversation by leaving a comment or a rating. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, why not click the follow button now? I'd be so grateful. This episode of Ready To Be Real Conversations was brought to you in partnership with Revive Active, your daily super supplement made here in Ireland. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.